I'm Megan Owen, and I'd like to welcome you to the pilot episode of my brand new podcast, Tea and Educate, a light-hearted, discussion-based podcast made with teachers for teachers. So grab a cuppa, sit back and relax as we delve into a new slice of education chit-chat with every show. Today, we talk to Callum Wolfe, Head of Year 9 at Mixed Comprehensive School in Wiltshire. I hope you like it. Hello. Working? It is working. We'll start off <laughs> with how I intend to start all of my episodes. Yeah. And that is by asking three questions that will give us a snapshot of what makes you who you are as a teacher. So first of all, why did you become a teacher? What was your key motivation? I never actually wanted to be a teacher, never considered it. But then when I left uni, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I went to work at a private school, but just as a hockey coach. So no teaching really, just sort of coaching. Thoroughly enjoyed it, got made head of hockey and then stayed for a couple of years and then realised that I really like working with young people and decided that teaching was the one for me. It was really rewarding. So I, that, that's basically how I started. But I didn't, I never, ever thought, right, I want to become a teacher. Let's do it. It was always, I don't know, fell into it by accident almost. So the reward of working with students is what sort of yeah. motivated you to take yeah. it further? I found it really rewarding working with young people. So in a coaching sense, and then I, was want, I wanted to do it in a more full-time, really, rather than just coaching. Um, so if we think about some of the most memorable experiences from your career, what would you say is the biggest challenge you have faced as a teacher so far, and what did you learn from it? For me, the biggest challenge was the workload like having to juggle too many things at my last job I was PE teacher which was obviously academic and practical but I also taught about 50% maths I'm not comfortable doing so I had to teach maths as well on top of that and then I had a head of house role as well so it's trying to juggle all of those things at once when I wasn't qualified to teach maths that was quite a challenge to do all of them really really well it was incredibly tough it taught me to ask for help, which I'm not very good at. Whereas I just wanted to get on and do the maths. I had no experience of how to teach maths or what to teach. So I, I, had, to, I had to ask for help because I don't like asking. I like doing it all myself. So I definitely had to ask more people to help, which I don't know, a bit nervous about. But actually, I'm glad I did because otherwise I, there's no way I'd be able to do all those roles. I think that's a good lesson to learn, asking for help. Um, okay, so that's the most challenging experience you faced what has been your proudest moment so far and why Mark, the proudest moments i have is really almost moments really it's just when you see someone in like year seven when you remember them as like a young you know a young student and then you see them i see them out in the community and that's where i feel really proud when i see them progressing or going to uni or following their passion that i've sort of it started when i was a hockey coach when someone who'd never really played hockey suddenly does it and then suddenly uh, plays at a really, really good level 10 years later. I feel really proud then. And that's the same in teaching when I see them in the community. It's quite nice. Um, I actually saw someone today running who I used to teach. Like a proud dad of all your a students. Proud dad. <laughs> apart from, yeah, apart from he looked older than me. But um, yeah, <laughs> proud dad. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the most rewarding thing for me is seeing them in years to come. part done let's move on to our main discussion point pastoral care during a pandemic hopefully a once in a lifetime experience but one that's obviously going to have a lasting effect uh, so we talk most days so i've heard about all your ups and downs but how would you say you have found life in lockdown what, me personally yeah challenge in terms of stuck in being bored no routine 
basically same as all the kids really just missing the structure of a normal school day that I think I need to have a routine and, and not having one is uh, very very difficult definitely definitely agree with that and obviously we both started at our school in September as newbies to the current school what impact do you think this experience has had on your first year and do you think it has affected the impact you have been able to make? I think it has, only because we're not there at this moment in time. If that makes sense. Like I like being quite proactive and being seen around the school. And I think not being there has lessened that impact. I feel like I'm missing out, basically. I feel like first year's sort of been cut short. Because we'll have to do it all again this time next year. So I wouldn't have done like a summer term, for example. I wouldn't have been able to teach those summer sports or see the kids during that this time, all the celebration events. I feel we are missing out. I think the kids are missing out. And how do you think it's impacting the difference that you've been able to make this year? It's, it's impacting in terms of this, seeing the kids on a daily basis. I don't have as much impact, I feel, as an email or a phone call to a parent doesn't have as much impact as seeing the kids daily and having that daily interaction and catching up with them and seeing how they're doing. How do you think your role as a head of year has changed since we've moved into lockdown? I feel, um, I feel more pressure feel more pressure to be in contact with the kids during a pandemic. I don't think it's changed that much in terms of still wanting, still doing you know, the check-ins with everyone. I think in, the only thing that I feel has changed is in terms of I worry more about their mental health now. I still worried about it when I was, we were at school, but now I worry about it more in terms of a pandemic. And I worry about how, how they're getting on. It's just so difficult not being able to see them every day. That's my biggest thing. It's because I, I like being around the school site and seeing as many kids as possible. Not being able to do that and not being able to have that interaction with them daily, I think we miss out massively. And we don't like at school, you would you could be able to tell if a kid was upset or not happy or overawed or whatever. But now you're just it's a guessing game unless you speak to them. You can speak to their parents, but parents will tell you different to what the kid might feel, etc. What do you think in terms of your relationships with students? How do you think that's changed? Difficult to tell because Obviously, they read my letters and everything that I send to them, and I, I speak to as many as I can over on the phone. But really, there's loads. Of, there's lots of students out there. I'd, I would imagine who probably don't read the emails, haven't had conversations with me. So I suppose the relationship there is almost well, it's not really there. There's this moment in time. But others, it's got better. I feel when I'm having these conversations, they really appreciate the support, and I feel for lots of them, it's got better. And I'm definitely uh, speaking to more kids that I wouldn't normally speak to just because I don't know maybe they're more comfortable sending me an email with what they're doing whereas at school they might be quite shy and maybe not come up to me and tell me what they've been up to for some kids it's definitely got better yeah but for others it's just sort of disappeared really because it's impossible to have contact with 360 kids regularly yeah I think I'm the same I think some students have really come out of their shell and whereas mm. they might have been quite shy and reserved at school, the challenges that I've sent home for my year group have prompted a, a really good response from them. And there's some students that are really standing out to me now that I know that when we're back in school, I really want to work on helping them build their confidence more and giving them more opportunities to grow and develop. Yeah, and I think being both, both of us being new to the school, it's quite nice because we're still getting used to getting to know our year groups, really, with all the kids that well. So actually, it's quite nice to hear from students who I wouldn't normally hear from or, or wouldn't normally come to me and tell me what they've been up to. Again, some kids are really proactive and want to share. Some don't. They want to be quite private. And... What about the relationships with parents and carers? Because for me, I feel like the tutors and myself have really worked on building that a bigger connection with the parents and carers mm. through the letters, through the phone calls. How do you feel about that for your year group? 
I suppose um, I think parents obviously appreciate the job we do anyway, but I think it's it's uh, it's highlighted more during this pandemic. I think they're they're quite responsive to emails, and I've had more emails and contact with parents than I've ever had before in any role. They want they want to share as well, and if they're struggling, I feel they're more open to telling us now. Whereas in school, they just they sort of just get on with it. I'm definitely having a lot more contact with parents. They appreciate it, especially the, you know the carers and. The, the role we do is appreciated, but now it's even more appreciated because they've had to sort of try and homeschool the kids. So they're realising what we have to deal with on a regular basis. I suppose they have a bit more empathy towards us. Um, what would you say are your key responsibilities during the pandemic? What would you say they've been? I think the key one is our tutor teams that we're in charge of, the tutors, sort of tracking what they're doing because it's impossible, as much as I like doing everything, and being in control, it's impossible to, to have 260 conversations or valuable conversations if I was to do it all. And I'm not very good at delegating. So I think for me, it's, it's been sort of just checking in with the tutors, seeing what they're doing, if they're doing it, and if I can have any support, offer any support to them. So I suppose for me, it's almost just checking with what the tutors, that they're all right, but also that they're still on top of their work, which they are. Is it making you have more trust for delegation? Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're doing it and I'm not having to prompt them or ask several times, it makes me feel like I should have delegated stuff before, well, this year, but also in previous years, rather than trying to do everything myself. Would you say you're a perfectionist? Yes. <laughs> would, you, you would you? Would I say you are? No, would you say you're a perfectionist? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. When I was training to be a teacher, I remember my mentor during my first NQT placement, which didn't end very well because I left the profession. I got told that I couldn't be a perfectionist and be a teacher. So it was one of the things that actually made me think if I could actually do the role. It's really hard being a perfectionist and a teacher. I think as you go through the profession, you learn learn how to manage it and you learn when you do have to let go a little bit and it only comes from experience. Definitely means things take longer and you become a lot more precious about things when... Other people might look at you and think, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you yeah. working these, this many hours? But it's in our nature, I guess. Yeah, and that's what I've had this, this year, actually, is like people saying, similar to you, I suppose, because like, you put a lot of hours in, you, you generally care, and you want to you, you wanna be that perfectionist. And people keep saying, oh, you'll, you know, you'll burn out, and you can't do it all. And I'm like, well, I can't, and I will. <laughs> like, and it, I just, I'll I prove think, you wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But yeah, for me, it's that delegation, like, and I feel bit stupid that I haven't delegated more I suppose in the past and equally although I am a self-proclaimed perfectionist I think this has given me an opportunity to to think I can't maintain what I have been doing and actually having time to slow down you do start to think how can I build this into my more everyday routine because it'll be even tougher if we just go back when we do go back fully to jump straight back into how we were before, like the change would yeah, be... Yeah, it'll be a massive really step. be a huge step up or in terms of what we've been doing. So uh, I think we do need to learn to build in some of what we've learned over this crazy time and take it forwards. Yeah, without a doubt. Do you think the pandemic has taught you anything new about your role or changed the way that you view pastoral care? I suppose it's just highlighted again. But I think it's highlighted to me, I suppose, that how many kids out there who I'm very much, I'll check on the kids that I worry about, but there's so many kids out there and everyone is, uh, everyone's vulnerable. In a pandemic, every single person will be having a tough time at some point over the last 10 weeks. I suppose it's highlighted to me that every kid 
is massively important. And just because a kid on the surface seems all right, doesn't necessarily mean they'll be all right 10 weeks later. It's very difficult to expect a 12, 13, 14 year old to then communicate that to you to tell you that they're not all right. I suppose that's my worry is that, again, just because a kid is all right on one day doesn't mean 10 weeks later they're going to be fine. Um, and it's that checking in constantly. But I don't think it's changed. I think it's just reaffirmed that every kid is important and that it's all right not to be all right. And I suppose kids in my year group are almost uh, too proud sometimes to admit that they're struggling. And I know when I'm speaking to parents that they are struggling, but they, they don't want to admit it. But I suppose difficult times, isn't it? Strange times. It's all, it's all changed and it's all very different to, for it to be a kid during a pandemic. It must be incredibly tough because if adults are really struggling, imagine being 13 years old. So it's okay not to be okay is something that you just touched on there. Mm. And some of your students being too proud. How mm. will you look to work on that and build on that to make them realise it's okay not to be okay when you go back to school? Um, I think it's um, through, for me, it's a big part of it is the tutor work, but also um, the assemblies that I deliver. I think that's massively important. And I think I try and give, get that message across by me, by me saying that, you know, that I'm being really honest with them and saying that I'm, I've been struggling during lockdown, not pretending that lockdown has been a breeze for everyone because, I, you know, I've really struggled. So I think in the assemblies, when I convey the message I'm trying to get across, trying to link it to, to someone personal, maybe me or someone else, um, and being quite open with them about how, I've struggled and then I think then they start opening up especially the ones that are sort of a bit too proud and don't want to admit that they've struggled at all and then obviously yeah through the tutor work again which we deliver. What do you think is going to be our key priorities when we return to school next year? Mental health without a doubt and getting kids back into a routine. I think some of the kids will have well, months since they were last in a classroom or had any sort of structure I think getting them back into a routine will be quite difficult and I think a lot of their mental health will struggle then when they have to then go from having no structure to us then trying to tell them you have to get back into the school routine. I think they'll really struggle with that, or some of them will, um, especially when it's quite an important year for some students. I um, mean, in my year nine to do an options, I think that they will struggle um, with the routine, which will then affect mental health. And how do you see the role of mental health playing out? How do you expect that to be seen amongst our students and responded to? I worry about I worry about it now. Just thinking about it, like your year sevens, for example, they've missed like half their school year in their first year. That's little Yeah, and then they're going to go back into they're going to be year eight. They're going to be year eight, and they're going to be alongside the year sevens. Yeah. And actually, technically, in school words, they've only done six months of their first year. Yeah. So when you put it like that, that's scary. Like, that's a scary prospect. And then you look. There'll, at, be, a, there'll be a crossover next year with year seven completing their first year and my year eight's completing technically their first year yeah, in yeah, school. Yeah. They'll all experience the summer term as a, as a new together, which will be That's the thing, strange. yeah. I just, I just worry for the whole school in terms of that, because your year sevens will struggle, year eights, my year nines with their options, year tens, really important year for them. Imagine year tens, like at the moment, they're worried about going back and doing exams and they're missing like crucial part of their education. Be interesting to see how we deal with it. Because we know, you know, the support we've got in school is, you know, pupil support is inundated every day with, with students that are struggling. And that's just during a normal school week, let alone after yeah. a pandemic when people are going to be worrying and stressing and I think we really tough. We'll get through it, Callum. We'll get through it. Um, so before we finish, I think it's yeah. definitely important to mention and celebrate that you also became a first time dad during I lockdown. Did. Congratulations. How has that experience been for you? 
been the best thing ever becoming a dad literally the best thing ever it's changed my perspective on everything things that uh were important are suddenly so less important now everything's just playing second fiddle now to the baby everything i classed as important like my fitness my you know the job like i love the job but it's now less important in terms of i want to spend more time with olivia still like really really important to me but not as important as it was but it's been tough in terms of We've had eight weeks now, just me, Lizzie and Olivia. And my parents are dying to meet her, but can't. So that's been quite tough. Then on the other hand, I've got extra God knows how many weeks with her, which I wouldn't normally have. So every cloud, I suppose. And um, how do you think becoming a dad will impact you as a pastor or leader? Uh, I, I said to Lizzie before this happened, it ain't, it's not going to change me at all. Um, <laughs> the, only, yeah, it won't, the only thing it will change for me is I won't. Whereas like you, you stay at work till God knows what time. I will want to get back to see Olivia, but I don't think it will change me. I think I'll do the same job as before. Well, I know I will. We'll see how that plays out, but <laughs> I'll, still, I'll still get in early, still do the same job, still leave late. It will be the same. same we'll see, Callum. We will see when we get back. I promise you. I promise you it won't change me. I promise you. It doesn't need but. to change you as a person. I meant how you might look at the way you do your role in terms of I don't know understanding relationships yeah. between students and their parents or yeah I, I I don't know I think I think that will, will change me in terms of being a dad and having that understanding I suppose but until I do it I don't know but I suppose I can will be able to relate better but we'll see So if you were a cake, oh, oh we got asked this. We got asked this on th- on interview. Can you remember? We got asked the biscuit. We all chose digestive. Did you rem- remember? No, we all chose chocolate hobnobs. Chocolate hobnobs. Sorry, yeah. Um, I felt like I was being really different and really creative with my description, and then they were like, everyone said the same thing. Yeah, that's yeah. a biscuit, not a cake, though. So what cake? Would cake. You think? Um, and why? There's, there's two. I would go. Um, I like a coffee and walnut cake. <laughs> I do or I like I don't know what my mum makes I don't know if it's a cake or a tart something. it's like a almondy sort of marzipan-y sort of with a layer of like raspberry jam it's like I don't know what it's called I don't know if it's a cake baked well tart yeah baked well tart that's the one <laughs> I'm not very good with cakes it's got a layer of sponge in it so it can count as a cake yeah but, but um, you've got to choose one you've got to say why why is that walnut. most representative of you coffee and walnut because I never drank coffee until I started teaching. Now I drink about 90 cups a day. And you're, you're nuts. And, I, and I'm nuts, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Coffee and walnut. What about you? What cake? You must have loads of really different varieties of cake. You yeah, know. that's the truth. So you can't choose. Yeah, and I guess my favourite cake is a really good Victoria sponge. Oh, Meg, that's boring. But it's a classic. And you it can't is a classic. But a yeah, really but... well-made Victoria sponge okay. changes changes things. It's a game changer. Mm. So I am a game changer, Victoria sponge. Victoria sponge. Well, thank you for being my guinea pig. Right. And that's a wrap. The pilot's podcast is done. It's definitely been a learning curve, but a really enjoyable and rewarding one. Thank you so much to Callum for taking part and to you for listening. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Twitter and Podbean and share us far and wide. We'll be back soon for another slice of tea and educate.